Whatever, what I teach my children is this. Whatever you want to do in life, just be the best at it. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to judge you. Whatever it is you want to do. And I mean, this may sound crazy to some people that's probably listening to the podcast. But hey, you want to be a gangster? Go be the best gangster there is, at least. Whatever you want to be. I don't care. I train you the right way. I teach you the right way. And then when you're an adult, you do what you want to do. That's on you. The bird has to fly free from the nest. However, we try to mold that bird to fly a certain way when they're young. But when they're an adult, be whoever you want to be. If you want to go work at, um, you know, uh, uh, Starbucks and that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, fine. You want to work at Walmart, fine. I don't see nothing wrong with any of that because, in fact, we all need people in different positions for this world to turn. Like, everybody can't be the same thing. So, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that at all as long as you're happy. The thing is just live with passion. Be happy and passionate about whatever it is that you do. Sean Dustin spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. Upon release in 2006, he had nothing but the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and legal paperwork. In 2010, he kicked a longtime methamphetamine habit and started the long climb back up the ladder of life. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. If you want transparency and authenticity, you're in the right place. This is the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and this is Sean Dustin. What's up? This is Nowhere to Go But Up podcast, and I'm your host, Sean Dustin. If this is your first time uh, joining me, welcome. If you're returning, welcome back. It's good to have you with us this evening. I got a packed evening this evening uh, tonight. I've got three back-to-back shows for you lined up. One at six, which is right now, one at seven, and one at eight. So, first of all, if you're enjoying what I'm doing, do me a favor and subscribe, rate, and review on your favorite podcast platform. That helps me to become more visible on those platforms uh, themselves. If you like the streaming app that I'm using, uh, use my affiliate link. All of the links that I'll be sharing with you through this, uh, this app will be available in the description below. Um, so use that affiliate link. I'll get $10. Uh, I'll get $10 off at some point, but you'll get $10 off as well. Um, all the ways to connect to the show will be available in my link tree, which are in, in the show notes or the description. Uh, an announcement to make, I will be on Clubhouse on Wednesdays at 10 a.m. Eastern Time with Maria Daniels from the Successfully Chaotic Podcast. Her and myself do a podcast intro Q&A room Uh, basically to get to know other podcasters and other shows and to get questions answered um, as far as like tech, monetizing, marketing, branding, any of that kind of stuff. That's what we talk about over on Clubhouse on Wednesdays, every Wednesday at 10 a.m. Eastern Time. My goal this month is to hit 2,000 downloads. I hit 1,800 last last month, so 2,000 is what I'm looking for this month. With a little over 10 days to go, 
Uh, if you could do me a favor, hit my link tree and find a podcast platform that works for you and check out some of my older content. And uh, let's see if we can't hit 2000 this month. I also want to shout out to new Patreon subscribers, Carlos Baisden and Joy Barcroft. And Joy also gave a generous donation to the show. So thank you, Joy. Uh, we appreciate that. My guest this evening is David Selvin. And I know David from my Toastmasters group. We are both uh, fellow Toastmasters in the same group. So I'm going to bring him on over here. Hey, What's hey. up, David? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Wonderful. Awesome. Awesome, man. Sorry for that long, uh, long announcement there. I had a little more than I, I wanted to uh, get on there. So, yeah, the how I know you is through Toastmasters and how I know you're – story is you gave an icebreaker speech and basically your your story your backstory was the uh what was the content or the the substance of that speech and it was really moving and and you know you and i kind of share some of a similar background so i definitely would like to uh have you tell the audience and the listeners uh your story Sure. Uh, question is, where do I start? <laughs> <laughs> Wherever you feel comfortable with, man. <laughs> well, so I, I grew up in Los Angeles originally, uh, moved to the East Coast as a teenager and um, started getting in trouble in, in Los Angeles. So my dad lived on the East Coast. So my mom figured, hey, maybe uh, it takes a man to raise a man. So she moved me over to the East Coast to Boston, Massachusetts and started getting in even worse trouble in Boston and uh, landed myself in some some terrible situations. And um, But I made it out of all of that and turned it around. Awesome, awesome. Yeah, and you also, you know, a, a really important part of your story, I felt, was the, uh, you know, the comeback, you know, because at some, a couple of, at one point you found yourself homeless, uh, you've been to jail, uh, you, you've done some, uh, you know, you, you, you had a daughter or a son. I think your son was your first, right? No, no. So I had a daughter at, um, I was 17 years old um, when my wife was, my wife now is, was pregnant with my first daughter. I have three children. I have two daughters and I have a son. My son's the youngest. And um, so when I was, uh, when I went to Boston, I ended up getting in a lot of trouble there. and Ended up going away as a juvenile and um, going away for two years. And when I came home, that's when I met my wife. And, uh, you know, we ended up having our first daughter at a young age. We were both in high school at the time. And so I ended up dropping out of high school just to uh, work full time. And I mean, I, I, I didn't really care about school at that time. So I was just screwing up. Can I cuss on the show? I didn't know if I could. Yeah, cuss. yeah, that's fine. Yeah, you okay. can. I like to be a little more natural. So, you know, I was fucking up. <laughs> and, um, and so when my daughter was born, that kind of changed my view on life. Um, I kind of started feeling like I had more to live for when my first daughter was born. And so I started working full time, but then I kind of slipped back through the cracks and, and started messing up again. I ended up getting a job at an airport in Boston, Massachusetts. And um, they didn't want, this was before 9-11. They didn't want to give me the, the job because of my arrest record. And um, I talked to the head of Massport. Massport was the organization that kind of controlled the security clearance for the airport. And I ended up talking to the head of Massport. 
and just telling them, like, look, you know, I need this job to feed my family. So I ended up getting a job, and then I wanted a better job with flight benefits so I can travel back and forth to Los Angeles to see my family in, in California. And um, so I applied for Continental. I got hired. They hired me, and then they fired me. And they said, well, you're fired because you don't have a high school diploma. So at that point, that's when I went back and, and started getting my GED. And then, you know, started hanging back out with the same old friends and started getting into trouble and, um, you know, started living back in that lifestyle. And uh, when I when I first moved to California, back to California, this was back in 2009, you know, I was supposed to have a, a job opportunity presented to me is why I came out here, moved my family out of here and things didn't work out. And we was down to our last dollar. So there was a couple of months where we were homeless. Yeah, it's tough, man. Um, so was that, was that kind of the, the pivotal moment for you when you decided like, you know, I need to change my life. This is, this isn't working. Um, you know, I need to uh, look for, for a better way, uh, maybe a better path. Um, yeah, I mean that, that kind of started my, my entrepreneurialism. I mean, I guess I've always been an entrepreneur. I never really liked to work for anybody. I guess I never liked to take orders from anybody. I never liked uh, for somebody to tell me what to do. I was just defiant. I was a rebel. And so when I hit rock bottom, I felt like that was rock bottom in my life. And that's the moment in my life that I always think about that keeps pushing me forward because I never want to be in that situation ever again. And I think at that point, I started I started thinking a little differently and started looking for more ways to learn and started reading more books and educate myself. And excuse me, I came across a book called Thinking Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. It was an older brother I knew in Boston that always told me to read that book. And um, I just never read it until after that whole situation. I was in California. And when I read the book, it just hit home and it started teaching me to change my mindset and the way I think it's something similar to whatever you focus on, you attract what you focus on expands. And I struggle with that every day to this day. I mean, even today there were certain things going on in my life today. And I'm like, why is this attracting to me? And then I'm like, well, I keep dwelling on it. And, and if you, the more you, you think about, so if you think about all the wrong things, the wrong things will come to you. If you think about the right things, they will come to you as well. And it's not no mystical type of thing. It's just that we're all related to the universe. You know, I believe uni means one, right? So it's one verse. We're just one creation. So we're all related. We're all one and the same. So with that being, we're all in tune with the same energy out here. It's the same energy that works to to where you could pick up an iPhone and call somebody in China and they pick up the phone at the same time. You could communicate. We don't know how it gets there. But it goes through these waves that's in our on our earth in, in the universe. And it, it's, it's basically the same way your mind works. And when I started realizing that, things started to change for me for the better. Yeah, it's crazy how, how it works that way, huh? Yes, it is. <laughs> how the subconscious really is what is what drives the boat. And, you know, the what you know, your what's happening up here isn't it, it's. It's like the the windshield, right? We're the windshield. the bo- The body, the the exterior is the windshield, and yes. the 
the uh, subconscious is what's really driving everything. You know, your subconscious is a collection of all of your experiences and all of your traumas and all of your, uh, uh, you know, things that you've learned in your life, what you like, what you don't like, but it's the, it's the, oh man, it's the, it's what you know, right? You know, cause there's sometimes, I mean, you're not, you're not 100% honest about everything that you, I mean, not being, not honest, honest, but I'm, what I'm saying is like, you don't. There's personal things about how you think that you don't share with people, right? Exactly. And that personal, you know, way that you think, and that's all up in in your uh, in your subconscious. So it just plays out underneath everything, and how it shapes and and, and shakes out is crazy. Yeah, I mean, it's like like that old that old song says: "A child is born with no state of mind." Blind to the ways of mankind. I mean, you, you're only molded to your environment, things that you've seen growing up, things that your parents have taught you. And and I mean, so it's kind of like if somebody was was born, if, if a Chinese person that was born in China, then that's all they know. Now, if they came into America, say they were adopted as a baby and they grew up here, then that's all they would know. I mean, so you only know what you're taught. Um, and so sometimes... The way we think, the way we process things, it's not you thinking. It's actually what you've been taught, what you've been programmed, and what you've been molded to think. And so sometimes you just have to kind of change your paradigm or shift your paradigm, shift your way of thinking to, to something different. Yeah, yeah. And then the more that you, you try to change, um, it's like uh, almost like, you know, with, with addiction when, you know, I, I had to just, try so many times to stop and fail. And at some point it ended up getting the right way and where I needed it to be, you know? And I think that there's a lot of things in life that are like that where you, you know, you've got to fail, but if you're failing forward, it's not as bad as, you know, knocking the whole house down and having to start from scratch. Right. Because you've already got this little baseline of, okay, well, you know, at least, uh, you know, I might've failed today, but at least it didn't, uh, take me two weeks this time to figure it out. It only took me one week, right? That's right. That's and then right. the next time, maybe it's only three days or maybe it's only one day. But at some point, if you keep trying, it'll be zero days, you know, and, you, right. and you'll just have accomplished it or achieved it or made it a habit. I mean, whichever one you prefer to say. My theory is this, is that just – Whatever your goal may be, just do one thing towards it every day and eventually you'll achieve that goal. And every time that you take a so-called loss, it's not a loss, it's a lesson. Just learn from it. Learn from your mistakes. I mean, yeah, we try to learn from other people's mistakes. The other other people who went down the path that we're trying to go down and we want to learn from them. But, you know, you got so you got sometimes you have to take those same mistakes yourself and then you learn from your mistakes. And you learn, okay, what did I do right in this situation? What did I do wrong? And you take the best part out of that and move forward. Yep, yep. Just like constructive criticism, take what's valid and let leave the rest. Leave the rest for somebody else. That's right. You know, because we know we we know what's you know like even behaviors. Like I after after I, after some of my behaviors or some of the things that I used to do, you know, I I knew that they weren't right, but it was hard to stop them once it was already in motion. 
You know what right. I mean? Because it's a it's a habitual thing. It's that undercurrent. It's that subconscious reaction uh, that you have to people. And I, I think that what it's really called is shadow work. You yeah. know what I mean? Because that's your shadow self. You know, mm-hmm. and that shadow work is is sometimes the hardest because there's some things that you do that you don't realize that you do. You know, right. and unless you have somebody that's out there, you know, working with you or, you know, paying attention to what you're doing, uh, it's it's hard to get called out on it. And yeah, yeah go for it. Yeah. I, well, I, I think that's the hardest. That's the hardest part about change is, you know, knowing because like you said, you do things subconsciously because you've been doing it for so long. You don't even realize what you're doing. And so. That that's the hardest part about change is to real. That's the first step, really, is to know. Okay, this is what I'm doing. This is what I don't need to do, and then check yourself every time you catch yourself doing that, and say, "Wait a second, this is not what I'm supposed to be doing. I need to be doing this." Yeah, exactly. So you've got a couple of different things that that you do that are interesting to me, uh, and I find that are pretty cool. Um, we'll get into your uh, real estate investing and you know what it took for you to get involved in that and get your real estate license. But I want to jump over to your passion because I think that you can tell me a lot about that because you you light up every time you know I, I, you think about your cars. <laughs> so what do you got? What do you got sitting in the garage? Well, right now I have my um, I have a '64 Impala Lowrider. It was um. Featured in Lowrider Magazine. I want to say it was back in 2014. Um, had a feature in Lowrider Magazine. They came to Oakland to do a photo shoot. And I also have a, um, a Cadillac Fleetwood Brown in the garage. And those are those are my passion. Lowrider is my passion. I love Lowriders. Um, when I was a kid growing up in Los Angeles, just seeing the guys riding up, up and down the street in the Lowriders, it's like, wow, I want to be like that, you know? And and when I got older, I realized how much money's involved in it. I was like, whoa, it's going to take some time. <laughs> and, you know, I had a couple cars and they just wasn't quite, you know, show quality. So it wasn't until I was eight when I got a little older and I was able to to put that kind of money into it. The time, I mean, all the chrome and the paint and everything that goes into making those cars look nice. A lot of people don't know, but, you know, those cars are like walking bankrolls and, rolling bank rolls is what I should say. So, I mean, it's a lot of, it's a lot of time, effort and money that's put into those cars. And so when you see it, it's a work of art that makes you really appreciate it. And for me, no matter what kind of day I could have, I could get in that car, just fire up the motor, crank on the oldies and, and dip down the street. And I forget about anything that was wrong. I just totally forgot about it. Totally forgot about it. Yeah, you showed a, a picture in, uh, I think it was a, a, was it a calendar cover or something? Yeah, where yeah. you were, where you were hopping it, the thing was going like really high. That was, that was cool, man. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it gets up. So yeah, my friend. So Tina Marie is uh, one of my friends who's uh, commenting, and she said one of her friends was on the cover of a Lowrider magazine. Tina Marie is actually a, a model herself too, and she's mm-hmm. one of the founders of Indie Pods United, which uh, I'm a. She's the original founder, and I'm one of the co-founders of that group as well. Um, and so yeah, I think we're. I think we know the same person. If you're talking about Helen, uh, yeah. 
I she is she's she's gorgeous. She's one of the uh, she's uh she has that natural Aztec look to her. Wow, nice. Yeah. Nice. So let's move on to uh Toastmasters. Mm-hmm. We both share that. Um Toastmasters, I got into that uh because of not liking how I sound when I'm editing back uh my episodes. And I had a lot of phrases that I would use that would just annoy the hell out of me. Uh, like, you know what I mean? And when I stop, when I get really comfortable with somebody talking, they come out because I forget to, to kind of monitor myself and my speech and in the ums, the ums were killing me. So what was your, what was your path into Toastmasters? It's actually this, I joined Toastmasters for the same exact reason. I know how to speak very well. However, I feel like it's just uh, a front. What I mean by that is not that I'm fake or anything like that, but it's just that first. And when I get comfortable, then the real me comes out and, you know, you see that maybe I don't speak as educated as I should. And that's not a problem. I, I don't see anything wrong with that because to me, that doesn't make a person educated or uneducated. However, for business wise, uh, for business, I like to speak a certain way because unfortunately people judge a book by its cover and they say you only have, I think, 30 seconds or 50 seconds to make a first impression on somebody. So I just always want to just stay polished. So for me, it was just a way to actually just elevate myself and elevate my game and just take myself to a, to a higher level and challenge myself a little more. Uh, Cause I'm the same way. I, I say, you know, as fillers for me, when I'm speaking, I say, you know what I'm saying? You know what I mean? You know, and, you know, see, I just said it again without without yeah. even realizing it. You say it. <laughs> so for me, it was just more so just to, to speak a little more professional. And I want to get into some some other stuff in the future. Um, I want to start doing some some uh, uh, teaching, training, educational type courses and classes, as well as um, I got I, I'm, I'm entering into a higher realm of real estate where. I'm dealing with multifamily properties um, and it's you, you rate with, with those type of deals This process called syndication where you're raising a lot of money and you're dealing with a lot of high net worth individuals. So I just want to make sure that I sound polished and professional at all times. No, you're, you're absolutely right. You do get judged whether you like it or not. Um, you know, <laughs> there was an um right there, uh, <laughs> whether you like it or not and being able to, it's it's one it's one thing to be able it's one thing to be articulate and be able to articulate something but it's another thing to be able to convey a message in a way that that is is quick and to the point and doesn't have a whole lot of Riley stop it doesn't have a whole lot of um you know I Sometimes, because you only get, like you said, you only get a certain amount of time to make a first impression, but you also only get a certain amount of time for a pitch of some sort. Right. And like I've tried to tell stories before, like when I first started, it, I would go around and around and around before I'd actually get to what it was I was trying to say until somebody who was actually a journalist uh, that I was interviewing uh, called me out on it. And he's like, well, is there going to be a question here at some point? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh man, it was on a lot. Li- it was on a live interview too. I was like, damn, yeah, you're right. I gotta, I gotta uh-huh. work on that. 
Yeah, yeah. When you get called out, that's the worst. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you, yeah. you you have an idea of what you think you look like, but you don't really know what everybody else is thinking or what you sound like to people. Yeah, yeah. Those, those yeah, are- when, I, when I was young, my, my mom, she was a part of Toastmasters. Um, she worked for the um, – she's from the Caribbean. She's from the Virgin Islands, and she worked for the British Virgin Islands Tourist Board. And so she wanted to be able to try to speak a little more professional and, and, um, cause you know, speaking from, from the islands, she speak with a heavy accent. And so she, because of that, she was going to Toastmasters. So I remember that. And so when I wanted to speak a little better, I decided to join and I actually joined Toast. Well, I've never joined, but I participated in Toastmasters years ago, um, probably eight years ago. And I just wasn't ready for it. It just wasn't for me. Uh, honestly, I was just like, you know what? This is some nerd stuff. <laughs> I didn't want to be a part of it. But I guess I've matured a little bit now. Yeah. it's uh, And for those of you that don't know what we're talking about, Toastmasters is a speaking, uh, a speech, a empowerment. Uh, it's a group. It's a, a a course. Uh, there's a lot of things that are wrapped up within it that you can do once you're in Toastmasters and you're a member, but it's probably the cheapest way that you can get training uh, to speak that I've ever seen. I mean, it, so it's crazy what what's available for you to you for the cheap amount of money that I think. I mean, was it sixty bucks a year, sixty five bucks a year, something like that? Yeah, I mean, the quality of of education you get in that specific uh arena is way worth way more than that i think yeah i think so too so all right so let, let's uh let's pivot into into the real estate aspect of 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 what you do and what i find is fascinating because i've always wanted to do that but i just never knew how or had the money or you name it either i had the money and 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 the desire was gone or i i the desire was there and the money wasn't. So it's always been on the opposite, opposite ends for me. So like, how did you get into it? You know, and, and what did it take for you to finally realize, all right, well, this is, I'm not doing nothing else. This is all I'm going to do. Well, I, 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 I wanted to be in it for a long time. I wanted to get involved in real estate, but didn't know how, like you said, um, started reading a lot of uh, books and and um, I ended up reaching out to somebody I knew and bought a, a, a fourplex in Atlanta, in Atlanta, Georgia, needed some work. To make a long story short, not to bring up too much about the situation, you know, I, I felt like I got taken advantage of. Um, they basically tried to to jerk me out of about 25 grand. And when I caught on to it, you know, we worked it out. You know, make a long story short, we worked it out. However, that was the goal for me to say I need to get educated. And I started trying to learn a little more. And that's when my wife um, actually put me on to some educational courses. And um, we started just learning more about that. And my first, and I, I didn't have really too much money to start my first two properties. I actually came up with the down payment from credit cards and um, you, we used a hard money lender for, you know, the bulk of the loan. And then we filled the gap or we funded the gap is what they call it with credit cards. That may basically come up with the down payment, closing costs and holding costs, things like that. 
And um, what a hard money lender is, for those that don't know, I, I basically say they're like the loan sharks of the real estate business. Um, basically, what it is, is just basically, it's usually a fund. Um, they pull together a lot of money and they lend out money on real estate, but they do a lot of risky real estate deals, um, like a flip. If you flip a property, that's considered speculation. So because of that, it's, it's a risky deal. I mean, yeah, you, you look at the numbers, but things could change at any time. Um, that's how a lot of people lost their shirt back in the um, in, in the housing crisis um, in the last recession. So because of that, you know, they charge a very, very high interest rate, it's usually about 10 percent, 12 percent. And then it goes down. The more you do business with them, they'll lower the, the interest rate. And the loan is only interest only loan. And so every single month you're paying interest only. And um you know, you pay off the loan once you sell a property. It's designed for a short-term loan. So you're never paying down the principal. Um, when I say the principal, meaning you're never paying down the balance of the loan of the property. So that balance just stays there until you sell and they get their money, pay them back. But in the meantime, while you're holding the property, you're paying them interest every single month. So I use that and then I use credit cards actually to fund the gap. And so it was kind of the same thing. I didn't know how I was going to be able to do it. And then it was more so don't worry about the how, worry about the why and the how it will come. Those are like things that I read in books and people told me and things like that. And that's what I did. And then I was just like, well, I don't even know how I'm going to pay the credit cards every month until I sell it. And where there's a will, there's a way. Just, you know, you just got to you just got to have a determined mind, a determined idea. And then things will fall in your lap. And that's kind of what happened. Uh, and so it, eventually it all worked out. So thinking outside of the box, thinking outside the box, exactly. you know, getting creative. Uh, so, sometimes you have to make the box, you know, you have to create the box yourself and, and just create it. Um, and you'd be surprised the type of deals that come across the table right, right now. There's a property that's out of state in another state, some five units and, and they're willing to do seller financing on it where they'll finance the property for me for a small down payment. Um, so if I decide to go through with that deal, I wouldn't even have to deal with the bank. I'll just deal with the seller. We'll create a note and then, you know, pay it off. I think he wants to be paid off in 10 years. Well, well, balloon is due in 10 years, which means it'll be amortized over 30 years. So it'd be like a 30 year loan, but the balance of the loan will be due in 10 years. You're speaking French to me, man. <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying. I'm, I'm like trying to listen to what you're saying about these these the numbers and then the memorizing, and I'm just like you, you started to lose me there for a second. I was drifting. <laughs> I don't, I don't. Yeah, it's just big words for something simple. I mean, that's usually the way the world is. Um, you know, a lot of people they try to make things more complicated than what it is, and I think that's silly. You know, I, I guess I use these terminologies because. That's what the industry terminologies are. So when I'm speaking to somebody on the phone or if I'm meeting with somebody, that's the terminology I have to use. But it, it's something, all that is to say this. Somebody's like, you know what? Take this property and I'll loan you the money and check this out. Just pay me back in 10 years. But I'm going to say, I'm going to pretend the loan was a 30-year loan. So that way your payments will be a little bit lower. And then in 10 years, you just pay me whatever's left over on the loan. That's it. You know, so it's like all those big words for nothing. <laughs> it means nothing. 
Well, that's cool, man. It's great that you were able to find something that allowed you to, A, not have a boss because you didn't like one, like having one, B, you know, you'd be able to take care of your family, uh, you know, and, and your three kids and put them through school. I know your one of your daughters is, uh, your oldest daughter is uh, in college now, right? Yeah, yeah. My oldest is in um, New Orleans, Xavier University. And then my uh, my younger daughter, she's actually graduating high school at the end of this year. And she's going to Chicago to um, to go to college. So how does that feel, man? How does that feel knowing that? that you played a part in making sure that they had the options that you didn't. Wow. I feel old first off that I got two daughters going to that one's in college, one's going to college. And then the, you know, for me, it just, it feels good. You know, I mean, I can't say, so like my dad is educated. My dad, you know, went to college, very educated man. And so I can't say that I came from, you know, that kind of background where it wasn't available to me. It's just I chose the wrong options. And when my dad, he was the type of person where when I came to Boston, he was getting himself together. So when he was getting himself together, he basically was just like, look, just stay out of my way, do what you got to do. And so in turn, the streets kind of took me over. And so with the options, there, I mean, I seen that it was there, but I chose the wrong way. My wife. She comes from a background where nobody's completed school or anything like that. So sometimes me and her, we, we just sit back and we're like, wow, you know, we were the black sheep of our I was the black sheep of my family. She was the black sheep of her family. And now look at us, you know, I mean, so we turned it around and it feels good. And sometimes we just sit back and we think about it and we just like, you know what? We're not as bad as we thought we was. I mean, we're, we're some pretty good parents. I like to say I am at least. Yeah. Well, I mean, that's a, that's something to look up to for sure. I have a three and a half year old and I'm always, you know, everything is, you know, trying to figure out how I'm going to navigate, you know, making more time with her and, uh, you know, out of, out of a job that, uh, you know, there's nothing wrong with it, but it's just, I I think spending 14 hours a day doing something that you really don't, you know, doesn't really align with, with your value or not your values, but with the, where you're trying to go, um, you know, creates a lot of, uh, uh, unnecessarily like when, if you're, if you're spending 14 hours doing any, something that you don't like doing the last, uh, 10 hours is going to be probably not very pleasant for you or the people around you because you've just, you know what I mean? Yeah, totally, totally. I mean, my thing is this. Whatever, what I teach my children is this. Whatever you want to do in life, just be the best at it. You know, I don't care. I'm not going to judge you. Whatever it is you want to do. And I mean, this may sound crazy to some people that's probably listening to the podcast. But hey, you want to be a gangster? Go be the best gangster there is, at least. Whatever you want to be, I don't care. I train you the right way. I teach you the right way. And then when you're an adult, you do what you want to do. That's on you. The bird has to fly free from the nest. However, we try to mold that bird to fly a certain way when they're young. But when they're an adult, be whoever you want to be. If you want to go work at, um, you know, uh, uh, Starbucks and that's what you want to do for the rest of your life, fine. You want to work at Walmart, fine. I don't see nothing wrong with any of that because, in fact, we all need people in different positions 
for this world to turn. Like everybody can't be the same thing. So, I mean, I don't see anything wrong with that at all as long as you're happy. The thing is just live with passion, be happy and passionate about whatever it is that you do. And as long as you're happy and passionate, then success will come because success to me is not measured by finances or money. It's measured by happiness. You know, so if you're happy, there's so many people that have a lot of money but are miserable. And so, you know, you have to decide what it is that you want to do that makes you happy. And to me, that's what success is. So I tell my children all the time, if they didn't want to go to college, that's fine with me. I tell them all the time, you don't have to go. They chose to go. They decided to go. I told them, I don't care. You know, I didn't go to college. (laughs) I'm okay. I turned out halfway decent. So, (laughs) you know, I, I don't care. I don't care if you guys don't go. I mean, don't can't do nothing. Like, don't just lay on the couch and, and just watch Netflix all day. Nah, I'm, I, that's not flying with me. However, whatever it is you want to do, just go do it. And so, you know, I, I'm okay with whatever route a person takes because you just got to find your destiny, whatever, whatever that may be. And so for me, it was just some people, they like the structure of working. They, they like going to a job. They like you know, a boss telling them what to do, they would be lost without somebody telling them what to do. That wouldn't be right for them. So, but for me, it was just different. I just, I couldn't fit in that, in that platform. Yeah. It makes sense. Makes sense. I'm going to ask you one more question before we wrap it up here. I guess another <laughs> one uh, at seven o'clock rolling right into it. So I'm going to give myself just a little bit of a time, time there. Absolutely. With everything that's going on in the world and, you know, COVID and people not, you know, working and all this other stuff, um, you know, there's a lot of speculation that, you know, we're going to see some, some hard times real estate wise for folks being, you know, evicted. The moratoriums are going to end. Um, if people haven't been paying their, their mortgage up to this point and they're not working, I mean, we're, that money's not going to just, just not going to appear. And the, and the government's not going to say, okay, well, we're going to do a debt forgiveness across the board on that. And it, we're the only country that is not getting any relief from the government. Every other country is getting, you know, paid, you know, to stay home, basically. Mm-hmm. What do you see in the, in the real estate market right now? Like, do you see any kind of uh, telltale signs of, of what's to come? Yes, yes. So, I mean, for one, commercial is all fucked up right now. Um Obviously, people are working from home. Commercial space is rough for people that own commercial. Um, that's really bad. In the multifamily space, um, there was already before COVID hit, it was starting to go into somewhat of a recession in the multifamily space. And then now this is going to make it worse. And then I see that, you know, right now, see, we're in the Bay Area. So the market is high here for single family uh, residential real estate. The, the market's really hot here in the Bay Area right now. But I see things on the rise that's going to trigger. And this is just my thoughts. Everybody thinks differently. But I, I feel like there's gonna there's some major waves on the rise. I mean, people are not paying their mortgage. There's people not paying their rent. And in turn, those landlords are not paying their mortgage because people are not paying their rent. It all triggers. This goes back to what I was saying, how, you know, we're all part of the uni, the universe. We're all one. So what you do affects this. What you do over here affects this person over here. And it's just going to all trickle in effect. And everybody's looking to the government for a bailout. And the thing is this, every time the government just prints money and just blows it out, it just it just um, inflates the dollar and just makes the dollar weaker. 
So that's not the answer. I mean, I mean, obviously, if you can't pay your rent or you can't pay your mortgage, then I mean, yeah, I mean, okay, you're on hard times. I get it. But there's a lot of people that's taking advantage of this whole situation. It's like, wait a second, I don't have to pay my rent. I could just say it's COVID. I don't have to pay my mortgage. I could just say it's COVID. And they're taking advantage of it. And that shit's going to catch up to them. It's going to hit the fan. I mean, everybody, these lenders, they want their money. And they hold the keys. They're the gatekeepers. And when they, they're going to figure out a way where it hits your credit or, I mean, yeah, they say it's a, it's going to, a forbearance or it's going to be tacked on the back end. But I, I see it's going to create a lot of waves. But real estate lags um, on the economy. So the economy, the economy will do one thing at first and they'll have problems. And then real estate will lag like a year or two later. So you won't see it right away, but you'll see it a year or two down the road. You'll start seeing the effects of everything that's going on right here, which, depending on which way you look at it, can be something that make you think that the sky is falling. Or you could say, praise the Lord, this is opportunity time. It's time. You know, so I I say, well, I got this from Tony Robbins. He says, um, you know, winter's used to say winter's coming. Winter's here. Things like that. But when it's winter, see, everything is a cycle. So real estate's a cycle. Real estate goes up, then it goes down, it goes up, it goes down. The economy is a cycle. Everything's a cycle. If you look at the history, it's always, you know, it, there's a couple of years, it's a 10-year, 10, 15, 20-year cycle where they're going up, and then it's a cycle going down, then going up, then down. So because everything's a cycle, it's a season. Just like the seasons, like you have, um, you know, summer, fall, winter, spring. So spring is like the new beginning, and then you have the summer that's the time to shine. And then fall is the down cycle. And then winter is the rock bottom. And that's the way you have to look at it. So everything's in a cycle and, and winter is here. And now it's what are you going to do? Are you going to take advantage of the opportunities that's here? Get get educated, learn something new where you can take advantage of these opportunities? Or are you going to complain about it and say, oh, the sky's falling and not do nothing and then let this opportunity pass you by? And that's the way you have to look at it decide which one you want to do. Great advice. Last one. I, I, I thought of a question as you were, as you were talking about that. Um, do you think it will get as good as it was for the opportunities uh, that they were back in 2009, 2010, where people were getting, you know, homes at, you know, 500, $600,000 homes for 250, 300,000. I don't think it's going to drop that bad because that was a, uh, it's going to drop, but I don't feel it will drop that bad because that was a different situation. They were giving bad loans. There were people buying properties that were not supposed to buy properties. These people could never afford the house they were in in the first place. And that's not really the case now. So I don't think it's going to be that bad, but I do think it's going to take a hit. Good to know. Good to know. Cause uh, I'm going to be in the, in the, in the mood or, or looking for some real estate myself here at some point when this nonprofit gets up and going and uh, get the business part go. of that, part of that jamming. And I'm going to definitely be looking for some sort of a, a space, whether it's a big residential home or a, uh, a facility of some sort um, to do what I need to do there. So yeah, let's uh, we got about almost six forty five here. Um, let's go through some of your, where we can find you at. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's see. My company is, uh, happy home legacy, um, happy home Um, we have, uh, Instagram, Facebook, um, and 
Twitter is Happy Home uh, at Happy Home Legacy, and um, my Facebook is David Selvin, which is my name. My uh, LinkedIn is David Selvin, which is my name, and um, my club. I'm on Clubhouse, but I, I'm still learning how to use Clubhouse, and that's at Mister Underscore Prosperity, and um, and I also have an Instagram that's at Mister Underscore Prosperity, which is just more of a personal page. You'll just see a lot of a lot of low rider cars and car shows and things like that. On here. <laughs> So I got his links up here too as well, but all of that, if you go into the if to the description of the episode, every place that he just mentioned and anywhere else that you can uh, find David, except for the happyhomelegacy.com, that didn't make it in there, but I will show that up here again. Happyhomelegacy.com is the website where you can find David. Uh, you've got some book suggestions here. You suggested Think and Grow Rich by Napoleon Hill. Uh, real quick, what stood out about that? Well, that was the book that changed my, my, uh, life. I feel it changed my thought process on the way I think, the way I look at everything, because at the bottom line, the bottom line is this, no matter what you do, I mean, you can, you can get educated with, there's a reason. Okay. The way I only way I know to explain it is like this. Two people can become a doctor, right? Doctor is a, is a very uh, high-paying profession. But one doctor might only make two hundred thousand a year. Another doctor might make ten million a year. What's the difference? The difference is just the thought process. One decided to do a few things different. One might just think he has to be the one work, 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 and the only one to to be there. And then another one, he might say, you know what? I can get a bunch of doctors that think with that mindset to come work for me and I can run a business and then I can help more people. So it's just really about, I mean, if you just, if you focus on, don't focus on so much what you get out of a situation, um, focus more on what can you bring to the table? How can you help? How can you give back? And then more abundance will come to you. That's very true. Very true. This podcast suggestion that you gave, so I actually applied for a, a video producer uh, position for uh, for bigger, bigger yeah, for bigger pockets. They were doing one of the uh, in Brentwood, right off of uh, the main uh, uh, Sand Creek. There, uh, there's a, a real estate. Oh, and, David Green. Yeah, David Green. He does he does something on bigger pockets. So. Yeah. He's one of the hosts. Yeah, so he they they were looking for a, a video producer and a podcast producer, uh, and so I was like, "Oh, I can do it." But they wanted they they didn't want to pay that much, and I think they wanted a kid where they can just tell them what to do, and they're not going to go. <laughs> You're crazy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So bigger pockets. So actually, what you have on the screen there is actually two different things I listened to. So when I was filling out form, sending everything over. I didn't really know where to put it. So I just put them both in there. Okay. So one is bigger pockets. I mean, that was, that's a free way to learn about real estate, um, to learn what people are doing, um, get different ideas from people that are doing it. Um, so I like to listen to that a lot in my car. So when I'm driving, I, I live in Brentwood and I'm travel all throughout the Bay area. So, I mean, I like to say if you live in Brentwood, no matter where you go, it's a, it's a minimum of a 30 minute drive. <laughs> You know, no, no matter which way you're going. And um, so I listen to a lot of audio books in my car. Um, and, and if I'm not listening to audio books, I listen to Bigger Pockets. Um, they have a lot of podcasts. And also they have like a web forum where you could chat with people and learn. It's all free. And um, or you can sign. I mean, they have a, a 
paid membership, but you can sign up for a free membership. And the second one is Bob Proctor. When I said Bob Proctor episodes, it's basically just going on YouTube. You just type in Bob Proctor on YouTube and then all type of stuff will come up. And that deals more of mindset and um, just how to think differently um, and, and view the world differently. And I love listening to stuff like that. Um, Bob Proctor is a um, big influencer of, of the way I live my life. Um, Tony Robbins is another one. Um, and, and there's others too. Um, an old school guy by the name of Jim Rohn. He, he's um, passed away, but you can listen to a lot of his stuff on um, YouTube as well. And I listen to all of that. If I'm, you know, most of the time when I'm listening to things, it's basically when I'm in the car. And so I listen to that in the car or I'm listening to audiobooks. Awesome. Awesome, man. Well, I appreciate it, man. Thank you for all the knowledge that you gave and, and sharing your story. And uh, hopefully the listeners got as much out of it as I did. Uh, well, thank it, you for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, yeah, man. No problem. No problem, man. I'm, 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 I'm happy to know you. <laughs> Likewise. Right on, brother. So uh, stick around, everybody. At uh, Not on this one. I'm going to close this uh, this link out. But at 7 o'clock, I've got Deborah Gets Red Pilled, the uh, host from that show, uh, which is Adam and uh, his mother-in-law, Deborah. That's a crazy duo. You're going to want to stick around and hear about that one. But until then, uh, I'll check you guys out later. You've been listening to the Nowhere to Go But Up podcast. Sean is a single dad, a union blue-collar guy, and he spent time in federal and state prison for drug trafficking and fraud. When he was released from prison in 2006, all he had was the clothes on his back, a bag of mail, and some paperwork. Since then, he's turned his life around and shares the struggles and successes on this podcast. We hope you enjoyed the show, and we hope you were moved to connect to the show. Book a guest spot for merch, Patreon, PayPal, and social media links. Go to linktr.ee slash nowhere to go but up. On Instagram at nowhere to go but up now. On Twitter at but up now. On the YouTube channel at nowhere to go but up podcast. See you next time.